Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoy today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. to the words. Why don't you go ahead and stand up, and uh, let's do a reading of the word here today. Pastor Tim, it's always good to have you. Thanks for being here again. Philippians 3, uh, starting with verse 4. I love these verses, some of my favorite life verses in this passage. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh... I have more, says Paul, circumcised on the eighth day of of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. This is the word of the Lord. Pastor Tim, you may be seated. Who said there is no free lunch? <laughs> right? Isn't there free lunch today, you say? All right, so <laughs> if you need to, you better be at that meeting today. But I do agree with Pastor Tyrone about Freedom Course. Uh, We call ours uh, Encounter with God Retreat, same idea. And I told Pastor Tyrone, if there was any one thing in our ministry that we would uh, do if we had to stop everything else, it would be our encounters. Because we've seen so many people who are new in Jesus, are, are a long time in Jesus, but they're still struggling with issues in their lives. And that freedom course is really what that's about. It's about freedom. It's about freedom in Christ. It's about moving into your identity in Christ and really becoming who God made you to be. So uh, if you've never been, sign up. And if you have been, you need a refresher course, sign up again. That's a good idea, huh? Well, let's pray. Father, Thank you for the privilege of gathering with your people today. Thank you for Pastor Tyrone and Amy and the family. Thank you for their leadership. Thank you for all the faithful workers here. Thank you, Lord, for this church who's been a lighthouse here in this area. And Lord, we pray that you'll continue to use them and use them in greater ways than ever before in this troubled world that we live in, Lord. 
And we just ask that you would come and take charge of everything today. We came here today. We need to hear from you. And so, Lord, uh, whether online or whether here in this place, we pray that your Holy Spirit will work in our hearts in a powerful way and that we will be different than when we came in this place. Lord, um, not me, but all of you today, and let your word come forth in power and authority. And Lord, that you would be glorified by what is said today and by the transformed lives, our lives, today as we uh, embrace not just hearers, but doers of the word. And Lord, we continue to pray today. We don't want to forget Afghanistan and the people there. We just ask, Lord, that you would work in your those that love you there, those that know you, and those that have served you faithfully in that part of the world, we pray that you would get them out safely and protect them. And while they're there, use them as salt and light. We pray for the Americans that are trying to get out. We ask your safety on them and others, Lord, who helped our country and who now are targeted for death. We pray, Lord, for protection over them. And we ask, Lord, that your name would be lifted up somehow in the midst of this tragic, tragic situation. Thank you for our faithful servicemen and women who served over there. Help them not to be discouraged or defeated in this season, Lord, but just bring peace to their hearts and know that this is not their fault. And so, Lord, we just commit them to you and thank you for their faithful service, Lord. Those that, those that gave their lives over there and families who lost friends and loved ones, we thank you for their sacrifice. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <clears throat> this has nothing to do with the message, but I'm so burdened for Afghanistan because I lived in the Middle East for 15 years. Even though, even though uh, Afghanistan is not considered in the Middle East, it is still a, a Muslim country. And as a result of living there and understanding the people, their religion and their lives, um, and obviously, I had a great burden for this people group. That's why I gave 15 years of my life over there. But um, I just want to say, you need to pray big time for Afghanistan and the people there. If you don't really study the and have lived there and have known the history of this whole region, you have no idea of the thinking and what goes on and what's happening and so I just trust that you'll trust the Lord and that you'll pray. You don't have to understand everything because we have a God who's bigger than it. And so we want you to pray, though, for these people, for that nation. God loves that nation, whether you want to, if you don't want to believe that, that's stinking thinking. <laughs> but God does love those people because he loved you, didn't he? And he loves them, too, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his son, his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We know that verse, but do we really believe it? So I want to encourage you to pray and uh, stand ready to support people that have given their, li their lives, their limbs, and all to be there. And to have served there, we, we're so grateful for them. But there's a lot of people that still need help. And so be, be prepared and be praying. And ask God to show you what you can do, not just our prayers are powerful, but what can we, how can we put our feet in action 
in these days ahead. So that's a little off track, but not off track in the world we're living in and what's happening. But my burden is so great for these people, my wife and I both, that it's a broken our heart to see what's going on and what's, what's yet to come because we do understand what's yet to come. Today, I'm so excited. Thank you, Pastor Tyrone and Amy, for having me back and for Rivers Church for allowing me graciously to be here to speak again on the subject of discipleship. I know Pastor Tyrone's theme this year is kingdom first, and if you're going to put the kingdom first, you're going to also have to be involved in discipleship and understand what that is all about. And so a couple months ago, he had me uh, speak, or a month ago, a little of that, had me speak on discipleship and has asked us back again. Discipleship, you have to understand for me, is not a program in the church or a bunch of books. Discipleship is life-on-life relationship. And first of all, I am called to be a disciple, me and you. You're called to be a disciple. First, you have to be one to make one. You have to be a disciple if you're going to make a disciple. And so you have to realize that first you are to be a disciple and you're to be living the disciple's life. If you really look at the scriptures and what the scripture says a disciple is, it's pretty scary when you realize that we're called to lay it all down as a disciple. And often in our consumer world that we live in today, the church has become consumers rather than sacrificial givers. And uh, that's because they have failed to understand the call of real discipleship. You know, we look for churches where we can get. We need to be looking for churches where we can give. Where we can give our lives and our gifts and our talents and our hearts and our love at that location. Where we can serve with a group of people and not what can they give me. Now, Don't get me wrong, I believe we need to go to a place where we're being ministered to, of course. But, you know, just because there's a bad sermon one day or you have to listen to me one day, don't leave the church. Uh, It'll get better next week when Pastor Tyrone is back. But but the point is is that, that, look, we're looking for what we can get out of this life instead of what we can give. And we're raising a culture that believes that that's what life is about, that you owe me. And look, we do owe them something, and we owe them the gospel. And we owe them his love. So yes, we have that responsibility. But when you come, come with a heart of how can I serve? How can I serve others? Discipleship is really about serving others. If you have your Bible with you, I want you to turn for a moment to uh, Matthew 28, the Great Commission, 18 to 20. And I want to start there for a moment. It reads this way. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, it's not me, that's him. Jesus said to them, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to him. So our authority comes from him. And he says, now go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Now the call is first for me, as I said, to be a disciple. I become a disciple of Jesus when I fully embrace the gospel of Jesus. 
That is that he came, he died, he was buried, and he rose again the third day. That he paid my debt. He paid the debt I owed, and he set me free by his work on Calvary. When you take that cup and you take of communion, you know what happens? You are identifying with his death and, his, and that the work that he did on the cross. His broken body, his shed blood. And we are partakers of a new covenant. Thank God we're not under the law, we're under grace. We are new covenant people. And therefore we live in the freedom of Christ. And we're set free from our past and we now have moved into a new position in Christ Jesus. So he's saying here now, all authority is given to me, and I want you to go now, and I want you to make other disciples now, of all nations. Now let me explain that. The word go simply means this. While you're on the way, while you're going through life, while you're doing life, make disciples. So it's not about this is a missionary call. Sure, it's a missionary call. We're all called to be missionaries. You know, some go overseas, some stay home, some pastor a big a church, some don't, but we're still a missionary. A missionary is one that is sent. We're sent to share the good news of Jesus. We're that disciple in our neighborhoods. We are one that is supposed to be reaching out with the gospel of Jesus in our neighborhood. Let me just ask you a quick question. Do you know the neighbors on either side of you? Oh, yeah, sure, I know them. Do you really know them? Do you know the ones across the street? You know, we live in a world where we can live in a neighborhood, especially our suburbs, we can live in a neighborhood, and we can live there for 25 years, and our neighbors can be there for almost the same amount of time, and we don't know their names. That's a tragedy. We've been placed in neighborhoods in order to be redemptive. Are you with me still? You didn't accidentally end up where you are now. I believe by divine providence, God's placed you where you are in order to be salt and light in that neighborhood. Now, we can live there and miss the opportunity, or we can take advantage of that opportunity. I love my neighborhood where I am. I'm moving to a new one soon, but I love where I've been because it's a multi-ethnic group that is around me. I have people from Africa. I've got some Muslims around me in my same, right in my little block of houses where I live. I've got people of all colors and all ethnic background. I love where I live because of the, the, the opportunities that God's given me to be salt and light in that area. One girl I was sharing with in our neighborhood, I was talking to her and she came to our house and um, as I was talking to her, she said, I, what, did you, what did you do overseas? Because she knew I'd served. I said, well, I was a pastor. And she says, I thought that must be the case because you're real shepherdly. <laughs> I don't know if that meant because I care about our community or, or whatever, but I really love these people. And I wanted them to know that I'm there as a friend to them. And you know, living the gospel is more powerful than the words. I, I've heard, you know, you've heard people say, you've heard people say, um, share the gospel and not every way. And if, if worse comes worse, use words, you know, then, then you can use some words. But we, we are called to demonstrate Jesus in every way as a disciple. 
and that's in our way. While we're going our way, while we're going to work, while we're going to school, wherever we're at, we are to, we are to be salt and light in that area. We're to make disciples of all nations. And we think, well, now we got it. Now that's the missionary call. We have to go overseas. This is literally ethnos, ec- ethnic groups. They're all around us. Did you know that we live in a very diverse community? And depending on where you're at, maybe you're in a white suburb or wherever, but Phoenix is made up of a very large ethnic group of people from all over the world. And uh, we have the nations right next to us. We have the nations. And so that's our mission field right there is our mission field. And he gives us the strategy for making disciples in this in this passage, he says, go and you make a disciple. Then what do you do? You connect. That's the second thing. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's important. Now notice that word name. That's going to be brought up in a few minutes. But a name identifies, but a name is also powerful. A name speaks about us, but a name also declares what we have. And so in this name, who's the name? that it, we are to baptize in the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, that the all-powerful one. That's the one that we're, we're declaring and we're connecting them to. See, when you baptize someone, they identify in the death, burial, and resurrection. Amen? Isn't that what happened when you were baptized? And if you haven't been baptized, you need to be. And so in our baptism, we are connected to the body of Christ. And when we come to the local church, we're connected to a local church and we're connected to the body. So what's important is this, that when you're discipling, you're connecting people. You're connecting them. I get people quickly that I reach out to to get them involved in a local community of believers, the local church. Why? Because they need to be connected. One of the saddest things is sometimes in missions, we think that we don't want those that we disciple to get connected because they may lose everything. They may, you know, but look at the scriptures. When people got born again, they were connected to the body and they did lose a lot, even their lives when they identified with the body of Christ. And so it's important that we baptize them and we connect them to the body of Christ. Then the next thing is it says to teach them to observe all things that whatsoever I've commanded you. And that's important. The next part is training. Did you know discipleship is the hard work? Bringing, we're not called, as I told the first service, to convert people. We're called to make disciples. Jesus saves. We help make the disciple in the process of parenting them, encouraging them, building them in the proper direction. You know, when you have babies, making babies is one thing. (laughs) Raising babies is another thing. That's a lifetime commitment. I told you before, I have six sons, 18 grandkids, and anytime they come to my house, my refrigerator is their refrigerator. (laughs) What, didn't we buy something recently? Yeah, the kids came over, it's all gone. (laughs) You know, because they're, they're part of the family and they're welcome here. And we're glad they're here. And we, we want them to understand that, that that's their part. And, and we train them and we work with them. And you know, I didn't train my kids to be kids. I trained them to grow up and be fathers. 
Because fathers multiply. Fathers are fruitful. Kids, they're dependent all the time. They need, I want. But a father has to become responsible and grow up. And, and then they become fruitful multipliers. And that's what all of you are called to be. Fruitful multipliers as disciples. That you're to be, that's the natural order of things. If you're, if you're married, natural order is to have children. If you come into Christ, the natural order is you make new children. You go reach others for the glory of God. So discipleship is a way of life, and it's a part of our lives, and it's who we are. It's not a program at the church. Oh, I'm joining the discipleship program. No, you're signing up for the kingdom work, kingdom first. You're signing up to be faithful to what God has already called you to do in his kingdom work. And then he says, and behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Isn't that interesting? He's just sending them around to do the same thing again. And don't worry, I'm with you. You don't have to be afraid. I'm with you. Wherever you go, whatever you do, I'm there with you. So that's the great commission, not the great option. It's the great commandment, a great commission. We're called and we're, we're, we're commanded by God to go forth and be fruitful multipliers. Now, when you parent, so basically we're talking about parenting. When you parent, part of parenting is naming your children. And we talked about this. I mentioned back when I was here before that one of the important things was, and I said, I wish I could preach on this, that one of the most important things we do as disciples is we name those that we are discipling. Now, that's a scary thing when you think about it because you're thinking, oh no, he's going out. That, this is really dumb. This is scary because I don't want to change my name. I like my name. Now look, I'm not talking about your given name. But you know, it's very interesting in parts of the world when we baptize in India, for instance, when we would baptize, or even in other parts, when their name was connected to their religion and they came to Jesus, they wanted a new name, a Christian name not a name that identified them with the gods of their past. That's an interesting challenge. I was even asked as a pastor by many of the Asian community, they'd say, uh, Pastor, it's your job to name my child. Whew, <laughs> that's a tough one. You know, no, that's, no, it's your job. I say, that's your job. You need to, I'll, I'll work with you. I'll work with you here. We can pray about this. We can talk about it. But look, names are important. And as a parent, it's the job of a parent to name their child. Imagine a child going through life with no name. So it is our responsibility to name our children. My wife and I, when we named our kids, we named the whole Old Testament because we had so many of them, you know. But <laughs> when we were naming our children, we took it very seriously. We prayed about it, and we discovered the meaning of each name because we believed that we were speaking prophetically over our children by the very name that we would give them. And did you know there was a time with every one of my kids, I would have them come, I would be kneeled down in front of me, I'd lay my hands on them, and I would speak the name over them, I would speak nations over them. <coughs> Excuse me. I would pray over them and bless them because names 
are very, very important. <coughs> Excuse me. I want to ask, yeah, there's the water there. <laughs> Thank you, Tyrone. Could have brought it up, huh? Everybody's nervous. COVID! No. <laughs> I had COVID, and I've also been injected. Okay, so there. I'm double duty now, huh? All right. I want to ask you a question, because... Tyrone read a very important passage, and I'm going to go to that passage in a second. But let me ask you this question. I want you to think about it a minute. Who is who you are determined by what you do? Or is what you do determined by who you are? Let me say that one more time. Is who you are determined by what you do? Or is what you do determined by who you are? <clears throat> That's an important question, especially as it relates to the Christian's maturity. I'm convinced that what we do and how we live is determined by who we are. I believe wholeheartedly that your hope for growth and meaning and fulfillment as a Christian is based on your understanding of who you are, especially your identity in Christ as a child of God. I told you earlier as a disciple maker, one of our responsibilities is naming our disciples, basically renaming our disciples. And this is what I mean. You see, the problem is, is that we all have names that we carry. Names that have hurt us and shaped us. Names we were called when we were young. Names maybe we were called uh, in recent days. And they hurt us. They shaped us. Or names that make us happy, make us feel good about ourselves, whatever. You know, there are a lot of names each of us carry. But those names that we carry determine who we are. And the real need today is that as people are coming into the body of Christ, and our responsibility then is to disciple them in this area. Our understanding of who we are is the critical foundation for your belief structure and your behavior patterns as a Christian. So when our identity is found in self or others, <clears throat> we are in trouble. Because why? Man is sinful and corrupt at best. See, our identity has been deeply damaged by sin and nothing we can do ourselves can truly repair that. So man, apart from God, looks for answers in these things. Your relationships, things, positions, appearance, if you don't believe that, just look at all the influencers on the internet. They want you to believe that if you do this and you do that and you do this and you have that and you have this, that that's going to make you really special. And you're going to be just like me if you do these things. There are people who are making their living by promoting certain things, certain names, that if you just are this or that, 
then that'll make you happy. See, when we don't find answers in the real thing, the real one, we turn to substance, we turn to stuff, we turn to others, we look for anything to numb the pain because there's no happiness apart from Christ. Real joy. So apart from Christ, we have a terrible identity crisis and we were meant to find our identity in Christ. One of the major benefits of salvation is our new identity. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new, including your identity. And why do you think in the book of Romans, in chapter 12, verse 2, it talks about the importance of renewing your mind? We need to renew our minds because we have believed certain things that are shaping us today that are keeping us from becoming all that God wants us to be. See, when we understand who we are, we can become what we are. That's why Ephesians is so powerful, the book of Ephesians, because Paul spends three chapters saying who you are. Then he spends the next two and a half chapters talking about this is the way you ought to walk. But you can't walk this way if you don't know who you are first. And he spends the last chapter dealing with warfare. You can't fight well if you don't know how because of who you are. So he establishes your identity. And on every one of Paul's epistles, even Peter, the, the New Testament is full of passage after passage after passage on your identity, who you are. I love 1 Peter for that reason. He's dealing with suffering people. And you'd think he'd come around them, he'd put his arm around them and say, oh, poor babies, I'm so sorry you're going through all this suffering. Let's pray together. You know what he does? He goes down the line over and over again. This is who you are. This is who you are. He starts right out. You are aliens. You are strangers. You are foreigners. And you are not of this world. You're not here. This is not who you are. What you're suffering, don't let your suffering identify you. But then he goes on in 1 Peter and he says, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. See, we're, we're kings and priests and we need to understand who we are in Christ. And when we do that, we can endure that suffering. We can deal with that suffering. We can face the world we're living in today with all the fear that, that Amy talked about. It's so true. Why are people huddling in their houses in fear? Because they have no idea of who they are and they have no idea of what they have. So apart from Christ, we have a terrible crisis. One of the major benefits of salvation is that new identity. One of the greatest needs of the modern church and for those we're discipling is understanding who they are in Christ so they can become what they are. That's where we all stand, folks. And look at Paul here. Paul understood this as he taught in this passage. And I won't read all the verses. I just want to point them out. Verses 4 to 6 he first found his identity in his family, his nationality, his religious position, and his status, his accomplishments, and on and on that list goes in 1 Timothy 3, I mean in, in Philippians 3. But after that, look down at verse 9, actually verses 7 to 10. Now Paul 
turns the corner and he says, all that stuff is rubbish to me. All that stuff is but dung literally to me. That stuff which I held so important and which I boasted about and how wonderful I was and who I am and I found my identity in all of that, he says, it's nothing. And in verse nine, he says, this is it. What I need now is to be found in him, to discover who I really am in him. And verse 10, that I may know him and be conformed to him. Part of changing a name is this, helping people to know Jesus. As I said last time, discipleship is not about you getting people to be connected to you. <clears throat> it's about you connecting people to Jesus and helping them grow in that relationship. <clears throat> then in Ephesians 1, 15 through 23, and in verse 18 in particular, Paul says this, he's praying this, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know, that you may know, that you may know what? That you may know who you are. Because you know him, you can come to know who you are. Ephesians 3, he says that you be able to comprehend in verse 18, verse 19, to know. See, Paul spent all this time to help them to realize that you need to know this. And folks, our ignorance will keep us in bondage. And too many of God's people are still finding their identity in their past. Look, folks, and don't take me wrong on this, please. I appreciate ministries that help people break free from addictions. I appreciate them. But I do not believe it is healthy for us to say, hi, I'm Tim and I'm an alcoholic. Or hi, I'm Tim and I'm a drug addict. Now wait, first thing we must recognize we have a problem. But if I am in Christ, that's what I did, that's who I was, that's not who I am. I may do that, but that's not who I am. Please understand what I'm saying here. Because I know, I, I know you have a, 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 a rehabilitation program. But I want to tell you, and I, I appreciate the Christian programs, but please, who you are is in Christ now, that's not it. You are a new creation. You may, you are a saint who occasionally sins, but you're not a sinner who is occasionally a saint. Are you with me? You are a saint. You now have a new place, a new name, a new position. And in discipleship, it is so important that we help people come into this. But what, what keeps us away from this? Ignorance, rebellion, satanic bondage, all of this. It's not healthy being ignorant in the body of Christ. Ignorance is not bliss. It's just plain stupid. You have the Bible, and you need to be growing in this. And as a discipler, you're pointing people to his word and helping them to embrace that message so that they'll walk that message and live in the freedom of Christ. 
So what is a name? A name identifies us. It's who we are. It distinguishes us from others. A name sets us apart from others, our family. My name is Timothy Wayne Daly. I'm of the Daly family. My first name, Timothy, God-honoring. My second name, Wagon Maker. <laughs> I'm a God-honoring Wagon Maker. <laughs> but the point is, that's my family. You look me up on the internet, and it comes out. It's distinguishing me. It defines us, what we do. Salesman, policeman, engineer, teacher. If you're a teacher, that's a name. That's a title. What our position is, president, leader, pastor, son, daughter, husband, wife. These are all names. They describe us, our person and our character. Handsome, ugly, tall, short, fat, thin, loving, hateful, caring, abusive, truthful, liar, etc., etc., etc. We've all received names like this. And it describes us in people's eyes. It directs our destiny. It shapes our future, what we'll do or believe we can do in our own life, like loser, failure, unwanted, etc., I've got one of my daughter-in-laws who just believes she's bad at math. My wife said to her one day, don't be going around saying that. Don't say that. If you want to do this, you can learn to do this. But don't, don't declare that over your life. Or I'm stupid. I, I don't like it. I don't, didn't let my kids say it. I don't want my grandkids to say it. I'm stupid. You're not stupid. If somebody told you that, reject it now because I don't want it to go from here to here. Because here we can get rid of it. Here it's a, another process. Yeah. The minute you allow the names that you hear and that hear, we're to cast them out. But here, as they settle 16 inches, then we become what we believe. Whatsoever a man believes in his heart, what? So is he. If you let it get from here to here, you'll become what it is. That's the power of a name. And that's why we don't want those that we're discipling to live in those names anymore and their past. So when you call someone by name, you're recognizing them, who they are. That's why I said in the first service, look, somebody comes through that door, find out their name, and remember, this is Aaron. Aaron means light bringer. I like Aaron. I have a son named Aaron. So when he told me his name just a minute ago, I'm going to remember Aaron. When Aaron comes through the door, ah, Aaron. Now, the trick is because my son's Aaron, I can remember that better than Bob, somebody else, you know, whatever. I don't have any Bobs in my family. But the point is this. When we come to church, what? We want to know that we're loved and accepted. When you came here today, if somebody said your name, you said, they know me. I said in the first service, I liked the, that, the, the song to Cheers. I never really liked Cheers that much. I didn't even watch it that much. But the song I liked goes like this. Everybody wants to go to a place where they know your name and they're glad you came. 
That's church. That's church. You know, a bar is basically a counterfeit church. That's all it is. They're trying to be a church. <laughs> they just haven't made it yet. But anyway, that's why I go to a bar. The music's there. They have their worship. The spirit's there, right? They got some spirits going on in there. <laughs> and they're making a few disciples along the way. Think about it. It's pretty, that's the devil's reverse process. But what they do, they keep going back to the same place. You know, I like to go to a restaurant over and over again when they know my name. I make friends. The waitress comes up and says, Tim, how you doing? How's your week been going? That kind of stuff. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Why? Because we want to know we're loved, we're wanted, we're accepted. And that's when you walk through these doors. When we enter the body of Christ, we want to know that God's people are real and they love me. They recognize them. They respect them. They receive them and release them when you know their name. We receive you. We bless you. We bring you in. But we also send you forth. Naming others is a key to discipleship. And I just want you to get that in your head today. Please. It's a key. It's our strategy for raising healthy disciples wherever I live, minister, our churches around the nations. We teach this, we practice this, we believe this, that this is a key to the strategy for raising healthy disciples. It's our task to install his destiny and his purpose into others. So for us to reproduce effective kingdom leaders, we must first Bring them to a deeper revelation of God. Show them, show them how to deepen their relationship in the Lord. Not stand up and go like this. Show them. Come on, come with me. Walk it out with me. Let me show you how we can pray together. Let me show how you live this out. Come with me. Wherever I go, come with me. That's living life together. That's discipleship. But pointing them to Jesus and a deeper revelation of God. And then number two, change their names. Bring them to an understanding of their true identity. When Jesus was baptized, the father named him right there. Did you know that? He said, this is my, my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He said it so that everybody that was there heard it. This is my son. First he called him son. Come here, son. And he said, my beloved son, not just my son, but he's my loved son. I want you to know I love this guy. I love this guy right here. That's why I like it when people say, hey, we got a guy over in my son's church where we attend downtown, and he comes over to me, and he comes up to me. He, this big old guy, he's a huge guy. He comes up to me. He kisses me on the cheek, and he goes, I just really love you, big dad. And he's not too big, too old. And as a father, I'm never too big, too old to kiss my boys and tell them I love them. I love you. You're important to me. You say, that's nasty, that's dirty. That, I didn't say on the lips, come on. <laughs> that's for my wife. <laughs> but I love them and I want them to know that I love them. Jesus declared, I mean, Father declared that over Jesus. Then what happened? The devil comes 
and tempts him for 40 days. Temptations come after you really get, there's trials after identity. But let me tell you this, once we know our identity and the testing comes, you have to understand Satan doesn't want you to know the truth. But when we stand in the truth, Satan has no power. He's a lion without teeth. He has no bite. He has a roar, but he has no bite in Jesus. So what does it take to change a name? Get real. Believe that you need to change your name and go through the process. There is a process. What do you mean? Well, it's a process. Just like when my wife and I married, she changed her name. I think women, my wife was reminding me that between the services and the first and second, she said, I think women understand this more than men do. I said, I think you're right. She said, I had to go through the process of changing my name. These guys don't. You guys don't have to do that. And you struggle with being brides. What does the Bible say? We are brides of Christ. And we have to change our name. We need to understand that. Believe that you need to change your name and go through that process. And learn to identify with your new name the changes that have been made and that those changes that have been made in you. And I close with this. Just write these three words down. How do I do this? How do I identify with that new name? First, I refuse. Refuse what? Refuse to allow the enemy's accusing and condemning words to settle in my heart by continuing to rehearse what God says about me. And as a discipler, I've got to remind those people, this is what God says about you. And to do that, you know what I did? Years ago, my wife and I, we read a book by Neil Anderson called Victory Over the Darkness. And in the back of the book, I'm talking all the way to the back of the book, he gives these lists of who you are in Christ. And I took that list and I began to declare that over myself, my family. But also, I started giving that out to people that I'm discipling and counseling. I said, you know what? you got to deal with that stinking thinking by renewing your mind and by moving the truth here to here. And this whole sheet says, this is who you are. And I want you to say that every day. And out loud, because the devil doesn't know what you're thinking, but he does know how you're living. So you say this out loud. Let him, give him notice that this is who you are. You're not what he, what's going through your brain right now. This is the truth. This is who you are. You can find that list online. You can do exactly what Pastor Tyrone talked about in the first service. Is you, when he, in his journal, he writes down when he sees in the word who he is in Christ. He writes it down and rehearses it. Then focus your attention on who and what you are in Christ now, your position, your current standing. Focus on that. Don't focus on that, uh, that other stuff. And lastly, verbalize it. Open your mouth and verbalize it. Confess it, James 3. Confess with your mouth. Open your mouth and confess it. Declare it. Declare the name that God has given you. Folks, this is really important stuff. Living a disciple's life, but also in making disciples, learning how to name 
your disciples so that they no longer live in that past stuff. They're set free. Help them move into their new identity. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank you for the work you've accomplished on that cross for us. And thank you, Lord, that in salvation, you gave us back our true identity. What the enemy tried to steal, you restored. And now, as a new creation in Christ, old things are passed away and all things have become new. You've even given me a new name written down in glory. Thank you, Lord. And I want to live by those names that you declare over me. Blessed, a son, favored, victorious. Lord, I want to live by those names, not those other names. Loser, failure, defeated, addict, divorced. Lord, whatever the name is, I don't want to live by those names. I want to live by the truth that you speak over my life. Lord, do that today in the hearts of these people. Speak over them, Holy Spirit. Speak over them right now. Speak over them truth. That this is who you are. This is what I say about you. And let them move it 16 inches from their head to their heart and embrace that truth with their entire being. And Lord, let us who are disciplers be faithful. Faithful, Lord, to name our disciples and not allow them to go through life living in those things that have been so destructive. I thank you for this time together and these precious people. Encourage them today by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.